When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Hey, let's go do our job, man. NFL Nation Two-A-Days. Time is here. On ESPN Radio. The Washington Commanders. Blue 58, go. I'm John Kime on the Washington Commanders. Washington has started 34 different quarterbacks since it last won the Super Bowl after the 1991 season. The Commanders have started eight quarterbacks in Coach Ron Rivera's first three seasons. And now they're entrusting the job to second-year quarterback Sam Howell, who has thrown all of 19 passes in the NFL. His progress will be the main storyline not only for camp, but for the season. Coaches and players have publicly and privately expressed confidence in Howell, but he's inexperienced and learning a new offense under coordinator Eric Bieniemy. If Howell develops, the commanders might finally have found a long-term solution. Countdown to kickoff with NFL Nation Two-A-Days on ESPN Radio. It is time for our ESPN Radio NFL Two-A-Days. We're going to examine the Washington Commanders. He's Matt Jones. I'm Michelle Smallman. You're listening to Canteen Carlin here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And to break down the Commanders for us, we... We welcome in Ben Standing. He's a senior writer for The Athletic who covers the Commanders. Ben, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. And before we get into some specific players or scheme, what is the vibe like at Commanders Camp now that Dan Snyder has been removed as the owner? The Josh Harris era is officially underway, so what has the energy been like? You know, it's so funny. For the past two or three years, I've had people like yourself reach out to ask me this question, but it's always in the reverse. Like, how how sad is it? How how depressing <laughs> is it? Can this thing go any lower? And now it's oh wait, it's a whole new world. I mean, you know the the the, the sun is is literally out, but it's at, even if there was dark skies and rain, the sun would be out in in this part of the of the world. Everybody is still very much happy with the result. I mean. We'll see what happens with Josh Harris. He grew up as a fan of the of the team, and you know he's a, an experienced owner. We'll see. But most of all, getting rid of Dan Snyder and all the the negativity that, that went with that on and off the field is yes. Uh, people are, are very much still in a euphoric state around here. I yeah, I heard during the the commentary before we started thirty four quarterbacks over the last uh, period with the with the Commanders. I know that everybody says the quarterback they have is one they really like, but do they really feel that way now about Sam Howe? Do you sense excitement? Um, I sense hope. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I think that they, I, I think they do. You know, that, look, you know, they, they, they drafted him. They said have said all the right things. He did slide. Sam Howe did slide to the fifth round last year, but. You know, the, in his sophomore year, like he was being discussed as a potential first-round pick, and you know, for a variety of reasons, he took a dip his last year in North Carolina. Uh, he's got a lot of traits you like: big arm. He can, he can do the RPO. He's a quick learner. There's things to, to to like about him. I think the issue is if you accept him for what he is—a young, developing quarterback with one career start—everything is reasonable. He's ups, there's downs, all that. 
But when you view it as, hey, Ron Rivera, this is his fourth year. He's yet to have a winning record in any of those four years. They've been okay, but not, but not, not a winning record. Now you have that with a new owner coming in. I don't know if on that level how Sam Howe looks because even if he has some good stuff, you know, they might win six, seven games, and that could be good for Howe but not necessarily great for where this team needs to potentially go this year for, for Rivera to keep his job and so on. So it's a, it's a little tricky. I think Howe's been fine. He's had some ups and downs. He's been a little bit more down the last few practices. But like I said, he's a young guy. This is what you expect. It's just the what they need. It's a question of whether he can deliver that. That's to be determined. Ben Standig, he covers the commanders for The Athletic, joining us on Canteen Carlin here on ESPN Radio. Well, Sam Howell has a new offensive coordinator. Eric Bieniemy is now the OC in Washington. What sort of a look of the offense do you expect from Eric Bieniemy? How is that coming together? Yeah, you know, he obviously came over from Kansas City, and while he had the offensive coordinator title it was Andy Reid's offense and not to mention it's got this guy who's pretty good at quarterback who does a lot of uh, ad-libbing on his own so the enemy is bringing a lot of the traits the west coast offense traits from that system and you know I, I think you know the players are well excited about it they're talking about this being a more explosive offense than what they've had in the past at a minimum he's definitely been more demanding of them than than what they've gone through previously. You hear him him constantly out there. He's the voice that uh, you hear all over the the practice field uh, today. As an example, multiple times he told the offense to back away from the line of scrimmage and rehuddle because somebody was lined up incorrectly. And he's got a legit presence now. Just like Sam Howell, though, there are a lot of questions about what he's going to do ultimately because he has never called. An offense in, in in the NFL, you know, not with not his offense, not as a full time situation, and we'll see how that goes. You know, obviously, Eric Bieniemy has been a very polarizing name in the NFL circles the last several years when it comes to getting hired for a head coaching job. That makes this situation so curious. Like, you know, does he show everybody, hey, you guys were insane for not hiring me, or does he sort of, you know, show, hey, this is there's some reasons here why he wasn't getting past uh, past those initial interviews. So it's going to be really fascinating. He's going to be a, a lot of fun to watch, energetic presence. And, uh, you know, he's got playmakers to work with, Terry McLaurin and others. But, yeah, he's also got a young quarterback. So it's going to be uh, a fun watch to see what happens. All right, Ben, all politics in life is local. And I'm here in Kentucky. And one of my favorite kids that played at Kentucky in the time I've been doing this was named Chris Rodriguez. And he's now running back in camp. He's a sleeper fantasy draft pick for me on people's bench. Let me know. Is he going to play? Well, first of all, is he definitely going to make the team? And then is he going to play? Because I love that kid when he was here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would imagine he makes the team. But they've got Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson ahead of him. And a veteran like Jonathan Williams who could be battling to get a roster spot himself. Uh, you know, I think that R- R- Robinson as sort of the between the tackles guy, Gibson is more of that third down back. I think they're going to dominate the touches out of the backfield, but yeah, they definitely like Rodriguez Rodriguez. But you know, one of the things that happened last year, that got off to a slow start, Brian Robinson had, of course, the unfortunate situation of getting shot before, right before the season started. So he missed the first four games. And when that happened, the coaches felt they didn't have another interior runner, so they kind of abandoned that part of their offense that they really wanted. 
I think Rodriguez was drafted almost to avoid a similar situation if should there be an injury to Robinson or something. So they have another guy who is an absolute hammer uh, up the middle. He's not shown yet that he's uh, as versatile as those two guys as a pass catcher, but I don't think that's – it's not inconceivable or anything. So, yeah, I I think he's probably going to be brought brought along slowly, but it does feel like if if needed, he can give them some of that running between the tackles that they uh, lacked last year when Robinson was out. Michelle, pick him for your fantasy team, I'm telling you. Just just, as you remember, I said that in like week 10. Good tip. All right. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate this. Well, Ben, as we have been examining all of these different teams, we've been asking one question as we look at every team. So I'm going to ask it to you through the lens of the commanders. What does success look like for the commanders this season? Oh, boy. Well, uh, not having investigations with Congress, I think, would would, would be high on the list. Um, In terms of in terms of the football, you know, look, I mean, they have been a competitive team in each of Ron Rivera's three years. They have been in the playoff mix up until like the last two or three weeks. They, of course, went to the playoffs in 2020 with a 7-9 and nine record. So, you know, look, I think they've got to probably get to, to nine, ten wins, maybe even win a playoff game for it to be successful for Ron Rivera. That said, I think with the new ownership, success could be viewed in very different ways. You know, they're not – they didn't pick any of these people, coaches, quarterbacks, or anybody. This is a team that's got a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, and they've got a ton of cap space next year. So, you know, again, from the owner box, success could very well just mean all their main players continue to play at a pretty good level. Some of the young guys develop, and, you know, they get a better feel for what this organization is about as they move forward with their planning. So there's sort of two tracks there. But, you know, like I said, I think Ron Rivera has got to, probably got to win nine or ten games and maybe win a playoff game to feel good about keeping his job. He's Ben Standig. He's a senior writer for The Athletic. He covers the Commanders. Thanks so much for the time, Ben, and the information. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And with Dan Snyder now gone, the Commanders will yet again be a hot ticket. And Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, where you earn rewards with every purchase. Vivid Seats rewards as your ticket to more tickets. Vivid Seats, life happens live. Shohei Otani not going anywhere. The Angels and pulling Otani off the trade market. To trade this guy with two months left before his free agency, I think ultimately deciding not to do so, I think it was probably a combination of the team having won six of its last seven games, still being in contention. I think it's also maybe not being very impressed by what they would have potentially gotten back for him. But I think ultimately it's the fact that they want to make the playoffs this year. Alongside Matt Jones, I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio. And it is MLB trade deadline day. 6 p.m. Eastern time is when everything wraps up. We already had Justin Verlander leaving the New York Mets, returning to the Houston Astros happen during the show. And now we do have another update, Matt, from Jeff Passan. The Los Angeles Dodgers and the Detroit Tigers had a trade in place for left-handed starter Eduardo Rodriguez. But... Rodriguez invoked his 10-team no-trade clause that included the Dodgers, and the deal is now dead, sources tell ESPN. I love that. I love that. First of all, I want the Reds to get Eduardo Rodriguez. I think he is the best best pitcher available now that you've lost uh, Verlander. But secondly, 
I, when I heard that he had a 10-team no-trade clause, I assumed it was like the 10 teams you would think, you know, the Royals, the A's, et cetera. I love the Dodgers were one of them. I love that there's finally somebody who's like, you know what, I don't want to go to L.A. That, that, why do I have to go to a team that wins where all the weather's beautiful and everyone's pretty? I like that my man in Detroit was like, I don't want to go to Los Angeles. Good for Eduardo Rodriguez. I think that's kind of a cool little piece of news. Yeah, certainly would put him in a better position to win as the Dodgers are sitting atop the NL West and the Tigers are six and a half games out in the AL Central. But maybe he just didn't want the pressure of being on a competing team. <laughs> or maybe he just doesn't want to live in L.A. You know, not everybody. I know you're in New, you know, you're in New York and living that rock star life, but not everybody <laughs> wants to go and leave uh, and go live in those places. I just found it interesting because when I heard ten teams, I just assumed it would be the ten low market teams, but maybe they're not. So I still think he gets dealt. I mean, once you've said you've dealt him and he knows it, like you got to deal him. So they're gonna say they're gonna send him to somebody in the next forty five minutes. Well, I hope it's now the Reds because I would love to see your reaction. Live oh, you're going to get that. it live. I'll start. Pump. <laughs> that's that's the one I've wanted from the beginning. He's the one that I think would be the best addition for the Reds. Left-handed starter. They don't they don't have one right now. He'd be perfect. Well, we'll keep you updated on what happens with Eduardo Rodriguez. But one player who will not be moved today, despite tons of speculation leading up to today is Shohei Otani. The Angels decide to not only keep Otani, but they get aggressive uh, leading up to the deadline. They acquire Lucas Giolito, and they're going for it, Matt. I have had so many conversations about whether or not this was the right move for the Angels, not only this season, but long-term. Let's hear from our ESPN MLB analyst, Eduardo Perez. It's to the point where I think Artie Moreno, as the owner, is making this executive decision saying, I'd rather keep Shohei now and hope that if we continue to add pieces, when you have 17 players on the IL, including Mike Trout, I just don't know how they're going to be able to pull it off. And if they do, this is setting back the organization years. I'm talking about more than six or seven years with the kind of talent that you would have been able to get for Shohei Otani. Yeah, I think it's a huge mistake. Huge mistake. I don't know about you, but I I think – they they should have let him go. It the reality is you could have gotten pretty much whatever you wanted. You could have gotten the the pieces to rebuild your organization. They're not making it this year. There's too many good teams ahead of them. So the only reason you do it is if you're going to re-sign them. Now if they have an understanding that he'll re-sign, I guess you can justify it. But I don't think that'll happen. I think Otani will leave. I don't know where he'll go, but I assume he will go somewhere else. And I think you're gonna, they're going to look back at this and go, this was a seminal moment for the franchise that we missed. Because you could have literally taken the three or four best prospects from an organization and rebuilt your entire situation. They didn't. And I think they'll regret it, Michelle. I really do. As great as he is, the GM and owner probably just don't want to be known as the people that traded Otani, but I think that would have been the smart decision. Bingo. I think they did not want their names attached to we moved this generation's Babe Ruth, the unicorn in all of baseball. And I also think that they desperately want to shake that narrative surrounding them that they have the biggest stars in the game and they can't win the Mike Trout's of the world the Shohei Otani's of the world at one point the Albert Pujols's of the world they're Artie Marino is very good at acquiring and hoarding stars but not very good at building baseball teams around these stars and I think that this was a, a major opportunity for them to in a very uncertain situation pivot 
and replenish their farm system and really try to build a winner from within. But I also love people that bet on themselves, and I love teams that bet on themselves. And as a fan, don't you want your team to go for it? Don't you want your team to say, Mike Trout's coming back, and we have Shohei Otani, and we're four and a half games out. We can make a run, and we can do this. I, If I was Perimonizing, I would not have held yeah. on to Shohei Otani. I would have moved him. I would have moved him weeks ago and gotten the best possible package that I could for him. But they know that he likes to pitch there, and they know that he loves the West Coast and that he loves the power he has within the organization. And the only way that they can keep him long-term is to give him the one piece of the puzzle that does not exist with the Angels, and that is the winning. So in order to keep him, you have to go for it. I, I think everything you said is exactly right. I Thank still you. Think, I still think you trade him. I mean, well, I mean, you, you, hit every, you hit every note. I still think you trade him, though, because baseball is a different sport. In basketball... If you were just a little bit out of the playoffs and you had LeBron, you don't make you don't trade him at the end of the year, right? In football, if you have, you know, the best quarter, if you have Patrick Mahomes and you've just had a bad start, you don't trade. But in baseball, you don't win anything with one person. Every stinky team has got a great player. So that doesn't really do anything for you. And there's no doubt in my mind that they would be a better franchise if they uh, – if you go look at what some of these other teams have gotten, just look at what the what the Astros got for Verlander. They got an amount of money that will allow them to go sign a free agent in the offseason, and they got the number one uh, – or excuse me, what the Mets got, and they got the number one prospect from the Astros. That's, that's worth it. Otani gets three times that because you get a hitter and a pitcher. You're going to get – the number three or four, three or four of the best prospects, you're going to get, you probably can get money. I just, to me, I think it's a mistake. But you know what? They've gone all in. I do like what you said, though. As a fan, there's a part of you that would say, go do it. But they're four and a half back. It reminds me of my, my buddy is a caddy on the PGA Tour. He caddies for JT Post. Did you see what happened in the golf tournament this weekend with JT Post? No, he tell was me. in second place and he was four back on a par five. He has 270-yard carry over water. And his thought is, if I eagle this hole and the other guy double bogeys, maybe I can tie. He takes out a wood and he hits it. He hits it in the water. Now, he ends up triple bogeying, not coming in second and costing himself $260,000. To me, on the one hand, you love. Go get him. 270 yards. You can hit it over that water. But in the end... What were the chances he was going to come back from four down? Minuscule. And he cost himself $260,000. I think that's what they did with Otani here. They tried to hit it over the water, 270 yards, and when they don't make the playoffs and don't re-sign him, they will look at this as a move that set their franchise back for a number of years. Yeah, I agree. I think that they should have moved him, gotten all the prospects replenished, and what if, let's say, even you do sneak in the playoffs? That doesn't mean he's necessarily going to want to come back. You still have yeah. a whole other obstacle to get over, even if you do make yeah, the you're playoffs. Yeah, you're going to be a wild card. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to be a wild card. You're going to have a three-game series probably on the road where you have to win two of three. He's only going to pitch once, right? Now, at least he gets to hit. I just think even then, the wild card system is awesome because it allows more teams in, but it's a flip of a coin sometimes if you make the second round. Not worth it in my opinion. He's Matt Jones. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next on Canty and Carlin, is Aaron Rodgers a changed man? Hmm, we're going to ponder it, discuss it. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Aaron Rodgers has reworked his contract with the New York Jets. They came to an agreement. He signs a new two-year, $75 million guaranteed contract through the 2024 season. This is a $35 million voluntary pay cut that Aaron Rodgers has offered to the Jets. It's a sign that he plans to play there the next two years. Again, anything can happen with my body or with the success we have this year. But I'm having a blast, so I don't really see this as a one-year-and-done thing. Is it changes? We're going to examine someone, examine his thought process. It's Canton Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Michelle Smallman. He's Matt Jones. And Matt, do you think that Aaron, Aaron uh, Rodgers, excuse me, is a changed man? All right, first of all, I have very strong opinions about this, but I don't want my opinion oh. to dominate the conversation. So I would like to hear yours first because okay. mine is very strong. I just, knowing this was going to happen, I just, I'm a big candle person. I collect candles. So I have uh, my Bergamo Waters candle that I lit to sort of set the ambiance so I didn't get too worked up about Aaron Rodgers. So now I want to hear your take on if you think he's a changed man before before I give mine. I'm glad you set the scene, that the vibes are right for you to be zen as we go through this. Okay, great. I love that you set your environment up for success. So as of right now. As of 5.32 p.m. Eastern Time on August 1st, I do think we're seeing a different version of Aaron Rodgers. I think people are capable of change, and sometimes a change of environment will change your outlook. Aaron Rodgers was not happy in Green Bay, and we can rehash all of that, whether he should have been or not, but he was not happy there. He was not happy with the way the team was constructed. He was not happy with his amount of power there. He wanted out. He went into the darkness. He emerged, and he wanted to go to the New York Jets. And ever since he's gotten to New York, Matt, we have seen a different version of him. He is taking $35 million off his contract so that they can go out and put themselves in a better position to win. He seems lighter. He seems happier. He seems more collaborative. He seems like someone who has a fresh start and wants to take advantage of it. Now, Will we see this same version of Aaron Rodgers in week seven if the wheels fall off? If the New York Jets end up going down the same pathway the New York Mets did, where halfway through we're talking about it being a disaster, are we going to see this zen positive, I'm still having a great time in New York, not pointing the fingers at any one version of Aaron Rodgers? That's TBD. But as of today, I think, yeah, we are seeing a different version of him. 
I mean, that's beautiful. And I <laughs> and I, I hope you're correct. Uh, I don't buy most of it. I mean, I think the key word you used was seems because everything is sort of we're, we're looking at it from afar. But I have a couple of theories that I think hold true here. Number one, when people get to the age of 35, they are who they are. Like, you can evolve and you can, like, tinker a little bit, but you're the person you are at 35. I don't think you're the person you are at 25, but when you're 35, you meet a 35-year-old and then go see him 30 years later. They're just a different type of the same person. So he's old enough that I don't think he – I think 35-year-olds – I'm not saying they never change, but they rarely change. Second, rich people, they never change. Like when you're rich, especially when you're really rich, you just take the view, I must be brilliant. I think Aaron Rodgers has oddly become more exhausting the older he gets. I think he has been less likable the last two years than he's been in his entire career. So I see this trajectory of a person who's gotten richer, who's gotten more self-assured, who has believed himself to be smarter every day. He has that trait that you see a lot nowadays, which is somebody has like C intellect, but they think they're Albert Einstein. He has that as well. So when I see all this, I'm very skeptical. Yeah, he gave up $35 million, but not really. I mean, all it's saying is he gets it later. He gets it in year two and three. The one interesting part of that is that does mean he's going to play longer, likely, because I don't think he would have given it unless he thought he was going to play. So I do think that's interesting. But I don't think he's, like, being magnanimous about it. He just waited an extra year because he's acknowledging he's going to play longer. But he's in that new relationship honeymoon. Let me go back to breaking up because I've been in a lot of relationships that ended. When you start your new one, sometimes it's better and it's exciting. And for those first couple months, everybody's in a good mood, like you're going doing fun things, and you don't know the parts of them that annoy you yet. Well, that's going to happen soon. The Jets are going to see the parts of Aaron Rodgers when he leaves his socks all over the house. They're going to see him start talking about his theories about various forms of injuries, and they're going to get annoying. And when they do, Aaron Rodgers is going to be the same old Aaron Rodgers. I believe people can evolve, but they don't do it overnight. And the dude I saw last year going on Pat McAfee's show saying nonsense, throwing his teammates under the bus, throwing his city under the bus, throwing his organization under the bus, I just don't believe, Michelle, he's going to snap and immediately be different the next year. But maybe I'll be wrong. There's a lot I want to unpack there, <laughs> okay. Matt Jones. But right. first and foremost, what is it with 35-year-olds today? You say at 35, you are who you are, you can't change. Earlier yeah. in the show, you said after the age of 35, you can't say phrases like, if you ain't got haters, you ain't popping. I feel like you're putting a lot of pressure on the age 35. I think it's because I wish I was still 35. <laughs> I feel like that's like the per. I genuinely think 35 is the perfect age. You're like old enough that you kind of know what to do, but you're not so old that you wake up and things hurt like happened with me right now. So I... Uh, so I, I maybe that's part of it. But I also genuinely do believe people don't – I mean – Tom Brady is the same dude he was when he's 35. Most announcers we see on television, they're the same people. I just don't think people change overnight. And I, I mean it. I think everybody listening would would agree. Aaron Rodgers was the most annoying version of himself last year. I don't even I don't know that there was anybody loving him around. This loving having him around. This idea that he just all of a sudden became a different person because he went to New York, maybe the most stressful place on earth. You're all of a sudden he's going to be Zen just because he spent four days without electricity. By the way, that's how you know you're rich 
when you go try when you pay to be poor pay to go not have electricity that's what he did and i don't think it is going to change anything about it you want to know why he's happy i'll circle back to what diana rossini who's reporting on the jets told us earlier in the show she said everything in that organization runs through Aaron Rodgers. But isn't that sad that they he's only been there for two months and they're giving him, like, do whatever you want? That's a recipe for failure, isn't it? She said whether it's the plays they call or what they want for lunch, Aaron Rodgers That's is in charge. And That's I'm a... a- I'm a little surprised that they gave him that much autonomy. I knew that they would give him some because that's how you lure him there and you get the deal done with Green Bay. You give him some of the players he wants to feel comfortable. Nathaniel Hackett's back in the mix. I understand wanting him to be comfortable because that uh, a comfortable and an acclimated Aaron Rodgers puts you in the best position for success. But to give him all that power, that's what he wanted, Matt. He wanted to be the guy who has all the power. What he had in Green Bay was not enough for him. He didn't want Brian Gutekunst to be able to bring in who he wants on the team. He wanted to have a say in all of that. And it seems like now he's gotten exactly what he wants. Will that translate to success? That's TBD. But I do think he seems like a happier version of himself now that he got what he wanted. If you ain't got no yeah. haters, you ain't popping. Okay, stop it, Robert. I, I, you know, I, I listen. I'm, I'm glad he got what he wants. But here's the thing about people like him who are very demanding. They always want something else, right? So you, you just see how far you can go, and then you go and you grab more and more. I Maybe it'll work, but this has all the implications of somebody who went and found a new wife or a new husband and tells you how happy they are and then six months later realizes the problem was internal to you, it was not about them, and I feel like Aaron Rodgers, we're going to see the same traits, maybe it takes till next year or middle of this year, the same traits that made him just absolutely terrible to be around last year are going to showcase themselves in New York. At least that's my guess. He is a Taylor Swift fan, so he could be saying – it's right. me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Is that what you're I don't think. Have you ever predicting? heard him? Have you ever heard Aaron Rodgers say he was wrong about anything? When's ever. the last time you heard any professional athlete that's a star say, I'm the problem? Do you think and Russell Wilson's going to come up on the podium and be like, hey, believe, guys, it's my problem? That's why I don't believe any of them change. They're all, <laughs> they end up being the exact same. I, I, I don't see a lot of evolution from star athletes that make $50 million a year. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Because you can always have people around you that tell you you're the exactly. best. <laughs> exactly. When you got enough money, people tell you whatever you want to hear, and I think that's probably what happens to a lot of them. He's Matt Jones. I'm Michelle Smallman. Well, coming up next, can the Dolphins make a Super Bowl run with a healthy Tua? We'll discuss it on Canteen Carlin, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. Canteen Carlin, the podcast. Matt Jones, I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Matt, we spend like so Miami? much time. Do you like oh, Miami? Good. I love Miami. Yeah, I don't. I guess I never know what to do there. I just I don't feel what. No, no. I mean, it's just like everybody's like dressed better than me, and they, you know, they all have better hair, and like the women and men are all handsome and beautiful. And I just I, I never I don't know. I've been there many times. I just. I don't know. It's like the only place on earth where no matter what I do, I feel like everybody's just better than me. And so I don't know. I try to stay away from there as much as possible. Okay. Two things. White linen button down shirt. 
yeah, a lot of cologne. I have one of those. You're set. A lot of, a lot of cologne. You're the in. The problem is I feel like such a judge when I do that, right? <laughs> like when you wear those shirts. And But in, in Miami, you're right. That's exactly uh, yeah, how everybody It's all does. you need. It's all you need. And don't let anyone make you feel less cool than you are. You know, it's oh, all I, state of mind. I'm plenty uncool as it is. I know that. It's fine. Well, we spend so much time talking about Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, but we should be talking about another team in that division a lot more than we are, and that's the Miami Dolphins. Yes. Where are you at on the Dolphins right now? Because they're, they're such an intriguing team. Is Tua healthy or not? I mean, that's well, the Well, that's thing. the question, right? If he's healthy, then I still don't – I mean, to me, the AFC is three teams, and then everybody else is, you know, maybe. So I know the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Bengals are going to be good. I know they are. And I know that they're going to be the probably the three best teams. So then there's another seven teams that I could see being the fourth best team. The Ravens, uh, the Chargers, and Miami is one of them. But if Tua is not there, then I don't even put them in that top group. And Tua, you know, I mean, I think we all have a similar view. Like, it's hard to watch. We don't want him to get hurt, right? We don't want to see any sort of injury. But if he, let's assume he's healthy and he's Tua, I think they can be the fourth best team in the AFC. But I don't think there's anything they would do to get to those top three. Well, when he was healthy last year, the Dolphins got off to an 8-3 and three start. It was one of the best offenses in the league under Tua. But then, obviously, those injuries, including the concussions, really took a toll on him and impacted their season. And there has been a lot of reporting, Matt, about how Tua plans to stay healthy and combat those head injuries this year. Namely, that he's been practicing jujitsu, And that jujitsu is supposed to help him fall in a different way to protect his head. Here is the Dolphins quarterback on how he prepared for this season to avoid some injuries a lot more reps with the heavier weights things like that but everything that I did this offseason entailed to what would keep me on the field for the entirety of a season we understand that you know freaky things can happen you know it's football it's a physical sport not everything that you prepare for is what you're going to get so I did the best that I could that um, you know to get myself ready and prep for this season as far as injuries go when he talks about the weights, he's bulked up. He went from 217 to 225. I mean, that's good. I don't understand the jujitsu part. I'm not a jujitsu person. I know people would think that, but I'm not. And I and and I don't what is it supposed to do? Like why is that supposed to help him avoid injuries? It just like learning how to control your body and fall, is that it? Well, let's hear from Sam Acho, our ESPN NFL analyst, who oh. talks about jujitsu and how that could impact to his chances of staying healthy. So the thing about jujitsu, it's teaching you how to accept contact, teaching you how to fall. And I get it. There aren't 300 pound D linemen chasing after you in jujitsu, but it teaches you how to fall properly. Why does that matter? Last year, Tua Tungabaloa led the league in passer rating. He led the league in QBR. This obviously is all while he was healthy. When he got injured, all of a sudden this team started to tank and not have a lot of success. And so you combine Tua's health. With Tyreek Hill, with Jalen Waddle, you can Waddle, you combine all that with Vic Fangio and that new defensive coordinator, right? And then uh, Bradley Chubb and obviously Jalen Ramsey is injured. Now you have, but when he gets healthy, you have a recipe for quick success. And so you have the offense. Now you have the defensive mind and a healthy Tua. I couldn't agree more. If this team is all healthy and clicking on all cylinders, they have just as good a chance as anyone, not only to win the AFC East, but to make a strong Super Bowl run. So he, he's focusing on falling in a certain way and also tucking his chin in on the way to the ground to protect his head. Well, I mean, and I'm not going to say that won't work. Uh, you know, you mentioned the tucking the chin. That's interesting. So, again, I, I do some stuff in wrestling. The first thing they teach you 
as a wrestler when you're learning how to do it is as you fall, tuck the chin. Matter of fact, if it, when you're learning to wrestle, if you don't tuck your chin, the usually the instructor will make you leave the ring because the the way to get hurt is to hit your head. So wrestlers all know how to fall so that they tuck their chin. I think that's harder. I don't know how you do that in football. The wrestler knows where the hit's coming from, right? The the football player may not. So, but I'm not going to say it can't work. I mean, clearly there are people who think it can. They'll know more about it than me. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. We will, and I think it's going to be very interesting to see what the Dolphins look like with a healthy Tua this year, and I think that they could be one of the most dangerous teams in the NFL. He's Matt Jones. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. You can always jump in on the calls, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. But coming up next, the Major League Baseball trade deadline. It's less than seven minutes away. We're going to give you all the buzzer-beating deals and evaluate the big trade of the day. That's all coming up next. You don't want to miss it. Keep it here on Canty and Carlin. You're listening to ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.